Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating, the outdoors and of course the Olympics. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? Well, I've had one of the great weeks as I think any sports lover has had being able to enjoy the Olympics, the the sheer ecstasy that the athletes go through, the agony when... Yeah, the, the athletes breaking, whether it be the 100, 200, and just see all that work all of a sudden and a split-second decision to go slightly early, trying to anticipate, bang, you, you miss it. It's just been it's been extraordinary to watch, and I liken it, Aaron, to the time I had a, I'm sure it was over a metre long, barramundi fishing off uh, <laughs> Cooktown, and I've got it boat side, and everyone knows, everyone knows, you always net a barramundi from behind and dad just decides he's actually going to knock the fish out with the net rather than net it. He's just going to decapitate it with a net. And I lost my 95 centimetre or 105 centimetre barramundi. That's what I think these athletes have gone through. If I had $6.20 for every time that story has been brought up on the show, I'd be a very wealthy man. AFL <laughs> boys can take it. I reckon you AFL boys can take a bit of more, bit of sportsmanship out of the AFL. I'll tell you what. How's the sport- out of the Olympics, you mean? What's that? Out of the Olympics, you mean? Oh, sorry. No, but I'm saying you AFL boys can take a leaf out of the Olympics uh, this year because how's in the high jump? Did you see during the week uh, they literally shared gold medal between the two of them? It might be my favourite my favourite moment of the games. And I, there's a lot of commentary around, no, that's not that's not the essence of it. But that's what encapsulates the Olympics. It's more than just your average everyday sport. It's the stories that are behind these athletes, what they've gone through, the sacrifices that they've made in order to get to the very top and to get to the moment where they can, they can, they can win it. Uh, and, and I love that. I thought it was just spectacular to see the emotional response when they decided to share it and just how pumped they were. They'd been going for two and a half hours. They could not split it. So, you know, they were both champions in my mind. And, yeah, ma- magic to see, incredible. I still think fishing should be included uh, in the Paris Olympics, if not definitely L.A. And if not in L.A., well, you and I will be at the 2032 uh, Olympics broadcasting real adventures from there and we'll be going live uh, for the cast-off from every country. So we're looking forward to that. We'll continue our push, Redmond. Um, what is your to go-to sport to watch? What, like, what one, if you had to pick one to watch, what, what are you watching? The question, mate, the Grand Prix freestyle. No, it's where you choose. It's where you choose your own song. Very important when it comes to a question. You've got to have something sort of epic. 
it can't be uh, it can't be too much sort of mellow piano. So I've enjoyed that. Um, beautiful racehorses, those things. Some of them X racehorses. Um, so I've, in, I've enjoyed there. What about yourself? I do like watching uh, the athlete of the horse do all the work, but uh, no, it's, <laughs> for me, me watching the Olympics, it's always been in my head swimming and track and field of sort of what the Olympics are for me. Even as a kid growing up, it was always at school, it was always athletics and swimming were the ones that we, that we did at school, which obviously gets represented at the Olympics, and that's how I always tend to look at the Olympics. So I yep. love watching 100 meters sprint, even the, even actually all the running, right up to 800 meters. Peter Bowl running the 800 meter during the week, that was pretty impressive. And then you've also, yeah, I reckon the 100 meter, you can't beat it. And watching that American new sprinter, he's only 17 years old. With he's the incredible attitude, in the 200. The attitude yeah. that he's got in the 100 meter, though, during the week, just looking back at his mates, just like this, looking and he's still going. So I think I was pretty impressed by that. It reminded me of you when we go whiting fishing. Oh, no, I'm looking back all the time. Uh, speaking of whiting fishing and appropriate vessels to go whiting fishing with, the 750 is finally ready, Aaron. It's it's crossing well, it's the – But it's ready. It's crossing the border, hopefully <laughs> as we speak. And if it's illegal to cross the border, Rob is smuggling the boat over the border and it will be equipped with a couple of 200 mercs over the next few weeks and finally we'll be able to get out and actually – see it touch it in the flesh which which is exciting for four by four users around the country we've finally got a a pricing list on where the land cruiser is going to sit redmond the gx starting at 89.990 gxl 101 all the way up to the range topping sahara zx at 138 grand it was seen as overseas that Toyota have put a ban on reselling, uh, reselling uh, of these cars. And whilst we continue to hear that that won't be the case in Australia, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was included simply because we've seen cars um, well over 138 grand, which the, the Sahara will be at the very top end of the range. We've seen them for 150 plus with this secondhand used market, given the fact that they're no longer manufacturing the V8. So that's a watch this space, Redmond. Yeah, it is. And I, I don't know how you – how do you actually physically ban someone from selling their own car? I, I just I just don't get the how you can do that. Well, it, it, it's it's what's been in place overseas. I, I think most – if you're going to buy a Toyota, you're not buying it to resell them, um, particularly with the luxury car tax that, that uh, you incur. But – that being said, this second-hand car market, this second-hand boat market, the second-hand caravan market at the moment, it's absolute mayhem. It's quite extraordinary to see the resale uh, prices that we're seeing right across every platform. And, and we saw we saw clearly um, the, the latest Sydney boat show was being cancelled. Um, there wasn't going to be any boats anyway because – it's just extraordinary the the uptake on on new boats and marine vehicles being purchased. Speaking of uh, what you said with boat, I guess boat prices and the and people looking to buy, purchase secondhand boats. I know for a fact that all dealerships are literally going through boat sales, going through Gumtree, and they're literally like all dealerships around the state, uh, probably the whole country. But I know trying to buy and resell. They're literally purchasing them through boat sales and whatnot. Well, not purchasing through there, contacting the, the person that's selling them and yep. actually buying them privately through that. So 
it's it's actually it, it's insane that the money that is involved with these secondhand boats at the moment because I don't know people are really into doing up boats and customizing boats and doing their doing their own thing especially like while lockdowns have been going on, on and whatnot people have had time to do things like that so it's uh yeah it's, it's pretty phenomenal and we keep talking about it because it's literally insane to see how much uh, the prices of what I say a 50 grand boat is literally pushing sometimes up towards eighty thousand dollars like a thirty thousand dollar increase on some of these old school boats which it's it's good to see but it's also hard to see too. Well, the, the challenge as well, and there's been some really interesting articles published, Boat Sales published one, I think it was last week around Suzuki and their inability to get um, engines into Australia with any quick succession rate. So if you want a new boat, then unfortunately, you've just got to, you've got to hit that second hand market and the prices are considerably uh, inflated. Let's get to your week in fishing, Redmond. What's captured your eye this week? The weather's been okay. We've We've had... Um, put the back end of the week a bit more wind than we would have liked earlier in the week there was some really nice calm conditions yeah we i reckon we've had probably the windiest six weeks that we've possibly ever had here in victoria like nights where i'm not sleeping due to the wind like you're literally waking up because of the wind and whatnot so it's it's been it's been crazy the wind and it's restricted a lot of people from fishing uh certain certain species but now we've had a few nicer days uh the fishing's there everything there on offer still so the tuna down the southwest are running really really well out of portland so so we're still seeing really big fish being captured are we seeing them as far offshore uh as what we we saw probably a month ago now we've we've had lighter winds on land during the week pat and inland like and into the base uh, sorry the last few days but even those bigger trips that you're talking about there so your apollo bay 80 kilometer etc they they haven't been getting done as such. There's been a couple of boats out there that have caught fish, which is great to see because they have caught fish. But we haven't had the people like myself and a handful of other regulars that chase the barrels actually chasing them purely because of the wind. There was one caught at Portland, a big fish caught at Portland earlier in the week. So there has been a few days to get out there, but not properly where you're going to see the normal traffic that actually goes out there to chase them. But the school fish off Portland were there. I know there were some school fish of Apollo Bay in close as well. You've got the bottom fishing of Apollo Bay, the school sharks, gummy sharks. You've got the snapper now. So this time of the year, we start to look towards that offshore snapper fishery, which is it's great fun. It's really fun to, to, to chase, and they are, are such a better eating quality fish too. Speaking of uh, snapper, let's head to New South Wales uh, and off Burmy because there's been some really good captures uh, of snapper of late. Yeah, during the week uh, – sorry, well, last week we actually spoke about this uh, with a couple of bigger fish, but a bit of consistency fell into New South Wales this week, and Bermagui really fired up. And fishing in close, like 30 metres of water up to 40 metres of water, just anchoring up and running a nice burly trail. Now, you can do a couple of different methods with your burly, like uh, burling for snapper in that depth. You can run what's known as the secret weapon, and we have reviewed this. We won't mention what it actually looks like on air, Patrick, but it's uh, an ordinary shaped item that drops down to the bottom, drops a handful of pilchards on the on the bottom, and you can do that as much as you want. Now, I tend to drop three on the bottom when I start fishing, and maybe every 20, 30 minutes, maybe drop another bomb out. But in the meantime, I'll cube a few handfuls out into the water column as well, which also helps. Now, you are fishing depth of water, so you can either filter baits down, so run strip baits down. You can throw them up the wind a little bit and let them float back down with the tide, and squid strips have been working really, really well 
out of out of Burmy there for the uh, for the snapper. If you push up a little bit further off Jarvis Bay or Jervis Bay, JB as we like to call it, and we've had plenty of sna- uh, plenty of uh, bluefin tuna for the commercial guys. Now these are just in distance for rec guys. When I say just in distance, they're still over the one fifty one line, which is still a long way out. But 70, 80 kilo bluefin being caught, and amongst them, there's also yellowfin. Now. Uh, the, the yellowfin just, I don't know what's going on with them. They just don't seem to stop biting, which is fantastic to see. So considering what we had a few years, consider what we had a few years ago with them not being there. So great result for the tuna fishery. Uh, commercial guys doing really well. A few wreck guys getting amongst them, but they are still a long way out. Let's head up to Queensland, central Queensland out of Rainbow Beach at the moment. Is fishing really well. Ren Emperor, Cog, Golden Snapper uh, are all on the chew at the moment. If you're after a charter, Redmond, where are you recommending people hit up? Yeah, Double Island Point Fishing Charters. Now, I follow these guys on social media, no affiliation with them. Don't even, to be honest, we don't know the bloke, but I, I really love watching people and the success they have getting their clients fish. And I've been keeping a close eye on these guys. So I'll say it again, Double Island Point Fishing Charters, fishing really, really well. on. And let's be honest, Pat, fishing up that central Queensland at the top there, towards the top of uh, Queensland when you've got that Great Barrier Reef and all, all your all your all your reef structure that just holds some of the best eating fish. I know how much you love eating your coral trout and whatnot too, Pat. So it's a it's a ripper place to go if you do if you can get up that way or if you do live in Queensland. And in this in WA, a little bit quieter on the snapper this week, but a few were caught. But something that is exciting is the squid fishing at I'm going to pronounce it as Geograph Bay. It's fishing really. really <laughs> That's how it's spelt. It looks like that, so we'll go with that. But it's huge calamari, Pat, like seriously good calamari, like up to nearly 45-centimetre hoods. Now, they're not like uh, southern cal- – they are they are southern calamari, but they're not like our traditional ones that we get here. They're a little bit different, but they are seriously good eating, exactly the same. And to be honest with you, that's the bait that I'll be using for the snapper. That is exactly what I'm going to be falling towards. So if you can get down there, there's a few other uh, land-based places, and geographic bay fishing off the pier there – Size 3.0 jigs, that's what I've been reading as much as I can that's working the best off that pier. Now, the reason that would come into play, whether it's tidal, whether it's depth, you need to take it all into consideration. And when you do fish off WA, off that pier there, make sure that wherever you are, whether it's that pier, whether it's in a boat, make sure your jig is falling correctly. And I do sound like a bird there, Patrick, or a parrot repeating myself, but I'll make it clear to everyone, it's the jig that falls the best is going to catch more fish than the colour that you think Bob caught caught it on. It's all about the full rate of the squid. Then you can play with your colours after that. We head closer to the CBD. Rodder's going off at the moment with Wahoo, Yellowfin, uh, Bluefin Tuna. The divers are having really good success. Further south as South Australia, there's some some great and really good size uh, Australian salmon being caught off the beaches as well uh, as some really good size King George Whiting. Yeah, and if you are going salmon fishing, well, we know South Australia, you, you can the, the salmon fishing is sensational. Whether you're going to eat them or run them as bait, for me, it's more of a bait thing, but some people really enjoy eating salmon fresh. So if you are going to chase them to, to eat, make sure you do bleed them because that'll make the, the fish in itself taste so much better. But when you actually are looking for these salmon, make sure a good pair of polarized sunnies are on your head because they will catch you fish. You will not only see the gutters that we're looking for, you'll actually see the fish in those gutters. So you're going to save yourself time walking up and down the beach casting, where if you get up on a high point in South Australia, there is a lot of high points that you can walk along. 
whether it's the cliff, the car park, whatever it is, get up nice and high, find the gutter, even look for the fish if the water's clear enough, and that's how you're going to find your salmon along the beaches of all of South Australia, even in Victoria and WA. It all works the same. Uh, which fishing charter company caught your eye in South Australia, Redmond? Bottom end fishing charters. Now, we're going to start doing this a little bit more, Pat. We're going to start uh, giving a few plugs around the coast, I think. So it's, it's, I'll help out a few a few charter vessels uh, so they can – basically everyone's been struck with a little bit of COVID, we'll be honest, and we're going to do our best to, to pump up a few charters that are fishing really well and doing the best to get themselves uh, fish for their clients. So bottom end fishing charters through South Australia this week, some big King George whiting by them. They had a little bit of crappy weather, the stuff that we had a bit earlier in the week that, that they had as well. So it – yeah, it was a bit harder for them, but once the wind passed, they got out there and they worked hard, and I'm talking 50-centimetre whiting. As big as you get it, South Australia literally does what it does. It's the home of the big King George whiting, and the bottom end fishing charters do their best to get yourself a feed of King George whiting and calamari, to be honest with you, pretty much every day of the week. We've got a massive show of Real Adventures coming your way. Don't forget you can download our Real Adventures app wherever you download your apps at the App Store. Uh, Redmond, there's plenty more coming after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club where we take your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures social pages or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Redmond, the first one is from Daniel. And make sure um, they're good questions, Redmond, because we're giving away real brand gear every single week. Uh, G'day, Red. Uh, when I'm close to boats, I seem to lose quality of my picture on my sonar unit. Any reasons why? Cheers, Daniel. Yeah, Daniel, that's a, that's a good one because it happens basically every day of the week for me as well as everyone else. Now, what is happening here is you've got transducing interference. So say, for example, if you're working at a school of bluefin tuna and you're together dropping pillies in, the transducers are bouncing off the bottom and they're interfering with each other. So you've actually got interference off the other boats. You don't just have interference off your own electronics. It can come – so say, for example, Pat, on your north bank, where we've gone pretty hard on your north bank with transducers. I actually don't think there's any transducers left in the country because this thing is going to have literally everything on it. And your, your transducers, if you run them at the same time – they can actually interfere with each other on your own vessel. But if you get close to another boat, whether you're whiting fishing, squid fishing, chasing a big tuna, whatever it is, if you get close to another boat, it's genuinely going to put interference on your unit. It doesn't do any damage that I know of to your unit. I haven't had any dramas. I haven't heard of the reports of people's dramas with interference happening as in wrecking transducers. But you'll notice basically, I guess, you'll lose that quality crystal, pe- crystal clear picture off your unit will disappear and you'll tend to have those lines that run through your screen that it's not water it's just generally the read that bounce off another transducer so your unit's not playing up other per- and you're not having any dramas with it it's just you're a bit too close when you are fishing next to other boats not that you might be on the squid so you're not too close but for the transducer to work efficiently we had a, a similar question which I'll, I'll just go into now remember we didn't put it this in our log um, but uh, Steve Phillips sent through a similar question around speed, and when once I I get up to speed, my transducer once again has interference right throughout it. H- have I mounted it correctly? I think it was along the lines of that. And once again, it, it speaks to how you set up your transducer with your boat, particularly if it's bolted on the back of your boat on the back of the transom. There's going to be issues with interference and speed, and 
uh, and how that interferes once you're underway. Yeah, you're spot on. It's, it's incredible the difference that a through-hull transducer will make. So what I mean by that is a through-hull transducer is a transducer that actually gets put into the hull of your boat. It's not a transom mount, so it doesn't mount on the actual back of your boat. Now, uh, a good friend of mine's fitting out a 2050 Stabie at the moment. I've helped him with his transducers. But he can't get the same transducer as me because mine is – is a specific through-hull transducer, and he needs to go a slightly different one, which actually allows him to have a one kilowatt and a two kilowatt, but it goes transom mount. And the reason that he has to go transom mount is you don't have to with it with a stabie, with a stabie, but you got to remember, cutting into aluminium isn't like cutting into fiberglass as such. So you don't really want to cut into an aluminium boat and cause splits and whatnot through your aluminium. So aluminium boats tend to go that through-hull transducer, where your glass boats. Not all glass boats, don't get me wrong, a lot of people have through, uh, uh, transom mounts, but if if you do have the option of going a through-hull, your pitcher, I can travel at 75 kilometres an hour in, say, 20, 30, 40 metres of water, Pat, even up to 70, and I can have crystal clear picture of my bottom. No, I'm not marking fish up. What I can see is lumps and bumps. So say, yep. for example, picking up you up, up at Mogs Creek, Pat, off the beach, I leave my joint, it's a 35, 40-minute run to pick you up, I shoot out of Bowen River, I can literally map the bottom or mark the bottom and look for structure the whole way that I drive to your house. And the amount of bottom and ground that I've found for my gummy fishing is incredible. Where if you have a through-hull transducer, uh, sorry, a, a trans transom mount transducer, I wouldn't be getting the quality of picture that I do get with a through-hull. So it's up to you on also what you want. It costs a little bit more for those through-hull transducers, but they are well worth every dollar you can get. And I, I, I can't speak any higher of them, Pat. And I know that yourself, I've talked you into getting you through hulls. Well, I think, what have you got? I think you've gone a, a one kilowatt and two kilowatt. And you've even got your side scan potentially on the boat too as well, trans and mounting into your hull. Yeah, I do. And like the, it's interesting, you know, talking about through hull versus transom mounted. One thing I do have on my small stabie is that it's transom mounted because we launch off the beach and I didn't think about, or nor am I aware that it's possible to put a uh, through hull on my 15 footer. Um, if I had my time again, I'd, I'd, I'd far prefer it because I can barely travel at any decent speed without that interference on my garment. And that's simply because oh. where I've had to, um, where I've had to put the transducer, I need to be mindful that once I back the boat onto the beach and it slams down, it, it can't be in a position where it gets jammed into the sand because I'll just destroy it. So I've had to lift it where it is, which means the speed is significantly reduced that we can travel at where we can get that real clear picture. So that's the beauty of of having a through hull is it is you vo void all of that um, issue that you have. But at, at the same time, you are going to drag the boat over sand, which is going to be straight onto the the face of that transducer. So it is, it's horses for courses, but ideally you have it set up so it's screwing out. Another thing as well when you do run a through-hull, it, and it's quite expensive to run these one-kilowatt transducers and whatnot. Now, what you can do with resale as well, if you are buying a new boat and you do have – and say, for example, you buy – say I bought a second-hand uh, – say, say if I bought that – North, uh, bought my North Bank off someone and I actually fitted out with a through-hull transducer. I, I probably um, – you, you, you can also 
keep the old transducers and sell them or put them on other people's boats as well. So you, you're actually not going to lose the value on it either, Pat. So you can swap and change, chop and change with what you've got with a, with a transom mount, but with a through-hull, once it's in there, if I sell my 600C with that transom, with that through-hull in there right now, that will be sold with that trend, with that with that transducer. Where if I had a put if I put a transom mount one kilowatt and wanted to sell my boat, I could take that off and yeah, quite and comfortably swap it vice versa. And 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 that's because it does get it does get costly, Pat. It can be very expensive, as you've just found out, to kick your boat out with uh, decent technology. But it does catch you more fish. It, it definitely does catch you more fish. Zach, boys, I have a little five meter streaker, and I'm trying to convince my old man. Uh, to go halves in a boat to put a winch on it. Um, love the show. Can you please tell him I need it? So I've got a five little five meter streaker. Want to put a winch on it? How do we convince him? It's uh, you make him do it. You tell him he's getting old, and you tell him he's going to need it as he pulls it up. You tell him because it's uh, an anchor winch. Won't be too long, you pat. But an anchor winch is going to catch you a lot more fish because you're not going to be lazy. Uh, whether it's on snapper on whiting or offshore in 40 metres of water because it's hard to pull an anchor up in 40 metres of water and using a float, you've still got to pull it up even if it's not as hard. But I don't think... Oh, what, are you gonna spend on a, what are you going to spend on a decent anchor winch, including installation? Good question. For a five-metre streaker, I reckon you're looking at a few grand. Yep. I reckon you're looking at three grand fitted, even three and a half grand fitted, I, th- I reckon. Yep. Maybe slightly less, but if to be honest, I love my. I got a Lone Star Marine anchor winch, and people, everyone speaks highly of them. They, to be honest with you, I, I personally think they're the best in the market, and they do have a very good history with, behind them. So for me, that's why I have it on my boat, and I, I did. I bought my. I bought my winch, and the reason I bought it is because it catches me more fish. It, I didn't want it playing up on me. I didn't want things getting caught and whatnot. I wanted a winch that worked because it stops you from being lazy and it catches you more fish. And I'll keep saying it because whether you're on the whiting pad at Queenscliff and I can move 15 times by pressing a button where if you've got to pull up by hand, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to that extra effort to catch those fish. So uh, So I I have this exact issue with my Stady. I I didn't put one on. I wish I had at at the time I I put on the, the Minn Kota, which I don't regret, but because of the battery setup on it, yeah, and and lithium batteries have now changed. Thankfully, they, you can get a far lighter uh, unit, but it's just one of those things, as you said. Uh, anyway, Redmond, that wraps up our social club for the week. Congratulations, Dan! You're the winner this week, mate. So send us a direct message, and we'll shoot a real brand hat and top out to you as soon as we can. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures social pages. We give away gear every single week and we enjoy engaging with you as well. Plenty more Real Adventures coming up after the break. Gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Our Real Adventures regular is professional angler, Gwaine Blake. Good morning, Gwaine. Morning, guys. How are you? We're going well, as we always are, Redmond, let's be honest. The Olympics has been on the last few weeks and it's safe to say that Gwaine would be representing Australia ahead of you. But we're keen oh, this morning, Gwaine, to talk about to talk about these really big offshore calamari and the best way to target them because unlike fishing uh, in shallower waters, and Aaron often talks about finding the eggs and then, and then fishing from there, 
you can't see 30 metres into the water. So how do you go about finding the best location, the best grounds for targeting really good-sized calamari? So basically, it's, it, it's to do with where the daylight is. So the, the kelp starts disappearing once it gets past 30 metres of water. So any deeper than 30 metres, there's not that much calamari there. So I'm targeting those reefs in 25 to 30 metres of water that still have quite a bit of heavy kelp on it. And those calamari, that's where they go out to grow up. And there's, there's that much food out there with, you know, small parrotfish, um, barber perch, leather jackets, and then all, all the bait fish you can imagine coming through as well. So they grow really fast compared with the ones that we get in our bays. And they're getting up to that size that are nearly four kilos. And then as the water starts to warm up, they're the ones that come in and the, and the ones that the red catches later in the year. So I'm, I'm basically catching them before they come in. How do you, how do you find, you spoke about finding the kelp beds. How do you locate that though? So you've obviously got your Garmin unit. How do you differentiate between rock bottom, kelp beds, sand? What do you look for on your sonar? So you'll see a thickness come up on the actual bottom with the sonar. So when you're on sand, it's very smooth. And then when you get on the rubble or reef, it becomes thicker. And then there's different color differentiations through it. But what we use now is down view. And down view gives us that clarity if you can actually see the jagged bottom of the rocks. And then you can see the actual fluff and the weed on top of it too. Gwaine, now you've obviously got to remember that 30 metres of water, when we say 30, that's just an example. We'll say you could be 15, you could be 25, up to 30, could be 32. Whatever your yeah, fish right. it's, it's, it's how do you determine what you're going to use to get your squid jig down to that depth? Now, I always strongly talk about on this show regularly, I don't know, Pat, talking about getting your jig down at a nice sink rate falling. Now, you're targeting them in deep water. You can't just drop a size 3.0 jig down and hope it sinks down 35 metres. It's just not going to work. How are you doing that? So I'm using 3.5 jigs because I just want that biggest possible silhouette that you can have down there. And then depending if the bottom's really heavy, I'll actually tie a leader to the nose of the squid jig and have that about a metre long and then have a sinker off that. And generally, it's around two to three ounces just because of the drift rate. So you want it to stay pretty much vertical as you're drifting because any sort of angle on the drift is going to create snags. And that's then that one metre, you let it hit the bottom, so it's just the sinker's just bouncing up and down on the bottom, and that'll hold that jig above the kelp for you. Gwaine, now also the size of the squid out there, are you noticing like the bigger squid tend to have uh, spawn marks all over them? Are you noticing spawn marks on your squid that are in this uh, this time of year in the ocean? No, and they're really thick. Like the, the hoods are very thick. So when they come in to start spawning, that's when it seems like they, they, they really shut down and they're not as aggressive feeders. They aggressively look after or protect their eggs offshore they're really aggressive feeders really thick hoods like up to you know a centimeter and a half thick hoods really good condition squid we're chatting with professional angler Gwaine blake Gwaine's also uh, a partner in salt guide which you can download as well 
you can also get in contact with Gwaine and he'll come out on your boat, show you how to rig it, how to drive it, and how to chase your favourite fish. Just Gwaine, let me talk there, about... Pat, just a second. Pat, just one sec. Also, his little staby craft, I'm going to let Gwaine, he's just got it in survey as well. So he's just got the little boat in survey to Claxton. So you'll be able to run inshore uh, charter boat trips as well now, Gwaine. That's right. So it's more of a boutique-style charter boat for groups up to three people. I'm not going to do single mixed group bookings. It's more about you coming out with maybe your dad and your brother or a couple of mates. And it's going to be you know, catered for specific species, so whiting or, or things like that. But the bonus is being a small boat, I can get into areas where the big boats can't. I can sit in, in certain tides that the bigger boats can't. But also, I've got a lot less fish to, to catch with that smaller crew. So a big charter boat with 10 people on board with a whiting bag limit of 20 per person, they've got to try and get 200 fish to bag everyone out, where I've only got to get 60. So it's going to be a lot better for guys that want to go out and actually go home with a decent feed of fish. Gwen, can we come back to the, the calamari just quickly because we want to talk about uh, Welsh pool as well. When both of you often talk about uh, whiting fishing, you're often chasing the dirty water. When you're chasing kingfish, Gwen, you'll always talk about the water temperature and just how important that is. What are the factors that you're looking for when you're chasing calamari offshore? Are you looking at tides? Are you looking at water movement? How the, how the moon affects it? What are the... Um, what are the important parts that you're looking for? So the, the great thing about calamari is they basically live a year. So they have to eat as much as they possibly can in a year to the point that when they spawn, they'll look after the eggs. They starve to death and die, and they die within 10 days of spawning eggs. So they're really aggressive feeders, but they, they don't have any sense of smell and they don't hear anything. So it's all about vision. So... Basically, you want slower tides possible and then clear clear as possible water because they're using their vision to hunt food. Now, during the week, Wayne, you headed down to Port Welshpool with uh, Craigo doing some filming for Salt Guide. And we, we haven't got a lot of time, but I just want to take you – this is the more important factor for fishing uh, that I want you to take punters through because you watch the wind forecast here – in your area that you live. Now you live sort of in that Western port between Western port and Port Phillip. So you watch the winds in Western port. You watch the winds in Port Phillip before you went, you knew it was going to be windy, but you watched the weather pattern in Welsh pool that you could travel to and have a day out in near on glass conditions. Take us through how that worked for you. Basically, if you look at the way Melbourne is, you've got um, Wilson's prom one side of Melbourne, and then we've got, Cape Otway, the other side, and it's a big wind funnel. So this time of year, the land is pretty cold. Bass Strait water is very warm, so we get a lot of northerlies. That cold air has to rush in and replace the warm water, the warm air rising off the warmer water. But when you get further down the coast, we don't have that big land mass because it's it's like not coming down through the desert, and you'll find that there's a lot less hills and it's a lot flatter and the reason it's flat is because we're not getting those winds that we get up in central melbourne and stuff so basically this time of year on the east side of wilson's prom right up towards malacuda you'll find that we get a lot better stable weather patterns a lot warmer so it's, it's a good thing to do like for me to get to welsh pool if i leave at six in the morning 
I'm launching down there at you know quarter to nine, nine nine o'clock at the latest. So it's not far to go. By the time you get there, the sun's up. It's nice and warm, and you, we caught flathead within the first drop. So I think we were bagged out with about forty flatties and two hours and we got two gummies as well so it's phenomenal fishing certainly sounds like it Gwaine thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures Gwaine Blake one of our Real Adventures regulars he's also a professional fishing guide as well head to his Facebook or his Instagram for more information and to get in contact with Gwaine thanks guys that was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy and now it's time for Red's Review Redmond, what do you have for us this week? Well, what do I have is what I do have as well, Patrick. I was lucky enough to receive my new GoPro 9 during the week. Yes, I'm a little bit behind times. I know you've probably got four of them that you got in February when it came out, but they are bloody sensational. And the Salt Guide crew headed down to Port Walshville during the week, and unfortunately I couldn't make it. But they used a GoPro uh, 9. You can actually check out the footage that they got. They used the GoPro 9 for a social media clip, and it come up sensational. They are They are – but seriously, Pat, they, they're, they're a game changer in the market of cameras. And right now there's a deal on the GoPro website for $529. You, you didn't get given this. Let's make this very clear. It's just it's a good deal. Oh, this is just a good deal. Yeah, we, we bought three of them. Craig Craig got one. I got one and Gwen got some. And as a soul guy, we've all bought one each just because of the quality of them. They're, they catch the GoPros will catch the things that not all other cameras do because you're not ready and whatnot. So they're well, they're well worth their dollar. But like I said, $529, you get a yearly membership um, to the actual GoPro subscription, an SD card. You get the, obviously the camera and the accessories that go with it. You get a spare battery and a charger. So it's it's a seriously good buy. It's on the GoPro website. And also, if you speak about GoPro four times with a mate, it'll show up 55 times in your newsfeed, which is really creepy. <laughs> it does. So just say GoPro a few times. But what I do like about the new GoPro, so we're talking specifically, it has a 30% new battery life. Now, I have had drums with old GoPros dying, and you have as well, Pat. They pain in the back, so I'm trying to charge them on boats and whatnot. So 30% is a hell of a lot of a difference. You've also – the game changer for me is the screen on the back, which is already on the old one, but it's yep. the one that's on the front. Yeah, so you can the, frame it exactly how you want it. 100%. How many times have you set a GoPro up on the on – the, as I look up and away from the microphone, sorry about that, but how many <laughs> times do you set up on your, on your rocket launches as I nearly look up again and you're trying to look at it and you're trying to see if it's working right or whatnot, it, it's on the front, you pop your head up and you can adjust it to see exactly – what the camera's seen it. Another great thing that I like about it, this is this is going to be the, the last one that I give you, and Pat might throw in a few more, but it captures up to 30 seconds before you actually start recording, which this is a little bit creepy as well in, in a way, but if you press the, the record button straight away, it literally will capture 30 seconds before you even turn the GoPro on. Don't know how it does it, but it does it. So that there is Red Review, unless Patrick wants to throw in a couple more couple more uh, exciting attachments his GoPro has. No, no, I think it's great. As you said, it's 500 bucks. The stabilisation I really like, particularly in the boat when you're underway and you want to get and capture some nice sort of family memories or your catch of a lifetime, um, you know, they're really well adjusted to that. So it's, it's a really good value, I think, uh, item to pick up um, for that 500 buck mark. And that there is Red Review. 
You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. We're on the final leg. It's time for Red's tip. Redmond, what do you have for us for the weekend? Now, knives are a must on a boat. No matter what, you've got to have a knife on the boat. Whether the anchor gets stuck, whether you're cutting bait, whatever it is, you need to have knives on a boat. Now, Attacked by pirates? Yeah, attacked by pirates. I'd start with the flare first and or then if, after that, like, get or, the knife out. <laughs> or if Pat anchors on your boat. That's another, <laughs> but no, keeping a a knife, a bait, a bait knife, everyone has on their boat, and everyone that I know, for some reason, they always go, "I've got a bait, I've got a good knife on the boat." Yeah, I've got a bait knife. No, but if you've got a good knife, yeah, oh, bait knife, an old knife, bait knife needs to be sharp because as you actually cut so much bait on the boat, it actually it, you get not only do you get like for example, if you go out for a gummy fish and you want to cut through wrasse. If you have a blunt knife, your wrist and everything's pushing that hard on a wrasse when it's blunt, it's not going to go through, and that's when it becomes dangerous. A blunt knife is a dangerous knife. Don't get me wrong, all knives can be dangerous. Sharp knives can be dangerous as well, but a sharp knife will always work with you. So if you actually use the knife correctly, it'll work with you, where a blunt knife will always work against you, especially when you're working on a boat that's moving. So if you're in the ocean and you're rocking and you're trying to cut um, even nice squid strips for whiting bait or a squid strip for a snapper in the ocean, whatever it is, if you're rocking and you've got a blunt knife and you're pushing just that bit harder, you literally are trying to push through bones or whatever it is. You will slip and you will hurt yourself where a sharp knife will do the work for you. So you're actually not using force behind the knife. So for me and all my friends that are listening that I fish with, please stop buying knives from four years ago and keeping them on your boat and using them as bait knives because they are dangerous. If you come on my boat, my bait knife is always razor sharp. It is as sharp as my knife that's in my kitchen. So that there is Red's tip for the week. So you can cut your bait with these and potentially not push hard enough to go through your hand. Beautiful work, Redmond. It's time for the flying gaff. And we've all loved the Olympics. They've been brilliant. There's no one that can dispute that. And if they do, they're a poor sport and they've got not too much that's exciting in their life at the hey, moment. Hold on. Are you about to dispute it? Well, I, I'm sending the gaff this week to the uh, the Olympic Committee, yes. The gaff is going to the Olympics because in 1896, the first official Olympics were conducted, April 6, I think it was. It was a good day, Redmond. Um, they competed with uh, with safety pins when they put their names on their, uh, on their competing sort of uh, tops. And uh, a few hundred years later, in 2021, we're still continuing to see athletes on the track with safety pins and their names stapled to their uh, their Guernseys or their relevant T-shirts that they're running, which we did see the other day. So in well over 150 years of, not quite 150, close to, uh, of Olympics, we're still seeing safety pins. And for mine, it's a little bit archaic and perhaps it's time to sort of try some sort of holograph that we could put on. I know there's been a few issues with regards to overspend in uh, in Japan, but something that's a little bit more upmarket than a safety pin. During the week, I watched, a, I think it was a Frenchman, he wrote on his, well, on his, whatever you want to call it, his name and number. He took it off and you know, before he obviously went to, to compete, he wrote on it and said, I love you, mum and dad, thanks. So how would he be able to do that if he's in a hologram? Don't, don't. I don't need to go into those sort of details, Aaron. All I'm saying is, let's let's go upmarket. Now let's not go to the other end where we're we're printing 3D bikes and they're breaking in front of us. You know there is a limit to how far we push technology, which unfortunately our Australian team found out during the week. But let's look to something slightly more upmarket than the safety pins. Anyway, 
Next sort of, we've drifted a bit off today, Aaron. That's all right. You've been listening to Real Adventures. I'll see you on the water soon. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.